When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. And today's guest made me question my preconceived notions. It's singer-songwriter Tony Cacchetti. And even though it sounds like he's from New Jersey, he's not. He's actually from a Partridge Family type of performing group. As a kid, he moved from Detroit to Florida and began performing as a musical act. And there were a lot of family members. Tony talks about literally growing up on the road performing all over the country. But when the family band stopped, Tony had a tough time adjusting. He excelled in sports and even playing minor league baseball, but music kept calling to him. He's just released his latest album, Freer Street, and it's a cool progression of his Americana sound. Tony and I talk about his recording approach, like not letting the musicians hear the music until they were in the studio, recording only a few takes of each song, and playing live in the same room. He also tells how legendary musician Greg Inhofer got involved. Tony emphasized how important it was to being open to the direction the music wanted to go and not trying to force it one way or another. We also touch on the fading art of sequencing an album. So check out his new album, Freer Street, on streaming platforms. Go to TonyCachetti.com for physical copies. While you're there, check out his socials. And check out ours, too, at PerformanceANX on Twitter and Instagram. Feed our coffee habit at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety. Buy some merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. And now get ready for an unusual ride with Tony Cacchetti on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Hey, this is Tony Cacchetti on the uh, Performance Anxiety Podcast. And I would like to say a uh, big, big shout out. Thanks to uh, Mark uh, Shea for, uh, for having me on. And um, you can find my music at TonyCacchetti.com or uh, Farm to Label Records. Check out my new uh, album called Freer Street. It's, uh, it was a good time making it and uh, would love for you to hear it and absorb it. And uh, thanks so much for, uh, for listening. Keep on uh, listening. <laughs> I'm a horrible talker, dude. Yeah. Maybe we should try that again. <laughs> yeah, I'll do another one. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Hey, this is Tony Cachetti on Performance Anxiety Podcast. Thanks to Mark Shea for having me. I got a new album out, Freer Street. Uh, it's on all the streaming platforms. I love how it sounds on vinyl. You can get a copy of the vinyl uh, from my record label, Farm to Label Records and dot uh, com or tony com and it's on all the uh, socials and um, i would really love you to check it out it's great it's uh, cool got a good vibe and uh, mark and i had a great talk about it so uh yeah listen to performance anxiety podcast love what mark does and uh thanks so much for having me again i'm tony cachetti and uh i'll uh, see you guys soon thanks awesome well thank you for doing thank you for the reschedule that was a little uh Unexpected. We don't get a whole lot of tornadoes around here, so. Oh man, I know it's I know it's we get a lot of them up here in the Midwest, so it's uh, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> when I li- I used to get them all the time when I lived in Alabama, and uh, moving up to Virginia, you, you, we don't get quite as much. 
Yeah, it's weird when they come through. It's uh, it's um, we well, I'm in Minnesota, but we don't get as many as kind of like you know Kansas and those areas do. But yeah. but we do get. And one thing I had to get used to uh, when I moved up from the because I used to live in Florida for a lot of years and was the storms being at night up here. You know, the <laughs> the, the most intense ones are like in the middle of the night because really? the you know yeah because the when it when it gets warm you know and then that that instant like cold air clashes when it when the sun goes down. Oh it's wow! Like, it's like killer, like crazy, intense lightning storms. Like in the and in Florida, you know, you could set your watch to it, like at one o'clock in the afternoon. You know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh yeah, you knew so, it was coming, and it wouldn't yeah. last very long, but it would be there. Oh yeah. Oh man. Um, again, I want to thank you for joining me and, and the reschedule and all it's, uh, I went back and have been listening to the, I, I was all prepped for a couple of weeks ago and then, you know, <laughs> had to cancel the last minute reschedule. So uh, I had to go back and reorient myself with the music again. So it was, uh, it was almost like listening to, it was, I should say it wasn't like listening to it new again because, but it was, it was actually more like listening to an old favorite again. So it was really, cool. really neat experience. Yeah, I, I get that too when I listen to it again because I'll I'll go away from it, you know, on purpose for a while, and then uh, I'll listen to it again, and it's like you pick up these little nuances that you're like, oh man, I forgot there, I didn't even know that that was going on before, you know. It's <laughs> it's your own music. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was able to. I don't know if it was just because. I kind of work myself up into a frenzy a little bit when I'm prepping for these things. And maybe it's because I knew I had all my prep done. I had all my notes done and everything. I didn't have to worry about it. I ended up paying a little more attention to the lyrics. And I think you've inspired me to do another podcast. Wow. Um, (laughs) There's uh, the song. Oh, gosh. Now I have to look at my list to see if I wrote something. Um, Heartbreak Town. I was listening to yeah. that. I love that's my favorite on the album, by the way. <laughs> you say the phrase "junker and a monkey," and I think that that inspired me to do a new podcast where I had a guest and we just get stinking drunk, and I just call it "Drunken Monkey." And I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. <laughs> that but, sounds awesome. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we'll just we'll just sit here and get trashed and. and talk smack about shit i don't know i did that a few months ago with a couple of uh, college buddies that i haven't talked to in a while and we we started off you know it was like hey let's because one lives in denver and one's in new jersey and uh and we were like yeah let's just you know chat have a couple beers you know and we're like cool and by the end of it man we were just <laughs> into the whiskey and it was like <laughs> it was bad news man i hey i i do that with some of the podcasts it's my my last oh. bottle of whiskey is almost gone. Oh, yeah. Clyde Mays. Clyde Mays has got me into some trouble. Yeah, man. On the, <laughs> on the podcast. I don't even yeah. <laughs> But that's what you get from out for straight bourbon whiskey from Alabama. Yeah, man. That's, that's good stuff. <laughs> well, going back to the, the, the original time we were supposed to record, when I started listening to the music, it wasn't exactly what I was expecting. I wasn't really expecting an, an Americana country kind of sound because I, I, I grew up in New Jersey. And so right. when I hear Tony Cacchetti, I'm yeah. thinking a rock band with like, you know, it's Tony Cacchetti, Sal Catanzaretti, yeah. Paulie Knuckles and Vinnie DeVito or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know exactly. So I, I heard, all of a sudden I hear this beautiful, soft Americana sound. I'm like, oh, wow, wait, this is not what I was expecting at all. Because obviously I didn't do any uh, prep beforehand and read any of the bio. So right. I just li- dove right into the music. And 
cool. So it was really interesting. But you mentioned that you know you didn't so you didn't grow up in New Jersey. You grew up you're from Detroit originally, right? Yep, from Detroit, Michigan. My uh, my family, yeah, my my whole family's from there. And uh, I, my dad had an opportunity in probably nineteen, I want to say seventy eight or nine, in 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 Central Florida, because my whole family, we can get into that too. But um, we're all entertainers, and my dad, dad and mom are, are both still professional entertainers and um, own a music school down in Florida. But they um. Yeah, he had an opportunity, and so he moved the family because we were in Detroit proper, like the southwest side of it. And he, oh, wow, uh, he like uh, one of the big Polish neighborhoods because my mom's one hundred percent Polish. But we, um, yeah, it was getting pretty rough. You know, it was like one of those where the the neighborhood wasn't what it was, and he he yeah. jumped on this opportunity and, and took the family down there. And so we uh, we ended up settling down there. So I I you know grew up the good majority of my life down there in the, in Florida, you know, uh, just south of Daytona Beach. So Oh, okay. Yeah, All so right. I know that area yeah. a bit. Yeah, so that's what that's what brought me down there and then um I I always wanted to get back to the Midwest though because my family kind of never we never uh like settled into the kind of southern way of life you know it was more like we kept our midwestern roots and the kind of detroit city <laughs> roots <laughs> it was good though i mean it was it was great and then but i always wanted to get back i never felt like florida was like where i belonged you know and then so it's an interesting spot in florida because you're not getting all the panhandle nonsense that happens there but right and with florida the further south you go the more north you are because exactly. you get everybody from New York and New Jersey. It's, all true. Down. it's so true. And then, and that's true on the West side of Florida too. You know, you get all the, but uh, yeah, where, I mean, where I was, it was great. It was a beautiful place to grow up. I mean, it was right on the beach, you know, it was, but it's uh, yeah, I just, I think I just never really felt like, especially as I got more into my own music, like I never felt like there was a place for me to, to blossom in that area. Cause it was a lot of tourism and you, and a lot of the bars, you had to do the, 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 you know, proverbial stuff that, that, you know, the area wanted. And, and it was cool for a while, but then if you said, I, oh, I'm, you know, I haven't, I'm having an inch to like write my own stuff and all that. And it just, so I, yeah, when I, when I heard about the twin city scene, you know, I was like, man, I gotta check that out. And I fell in love with it right away. So. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Before you skip over this ad, give me one minute. Like most podcasts, I pick sponsors carefully and I use the products that advertise here. Pure Spectrum CBD is a product that has been really beneficial for me. They have a wide variety of great products that can be used on a daily or as needed basis. I've been using the tincture every day and it's been wonderful for easing anxiety. And I absolutely love the isolate. I use it instead of acetaminophen or ibuprofen. And it's worked so well for the relief of aches and pains. They also have soaks, lotions, salves, gummies, and more. Plus, an entire line for fitness recovery. They even have products for your pets. See everything they offer at PureSpectrumCBD.com. And if you have questions, they're there to help. They helped me when I had no idea where to start. After you fill your cart, use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your purchase. Pure Spectrum CBD. Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD. Yeah, so like that's Central Florida particularly. You either have to do Jimmy Buffett or metal. Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or the, you know, it was like the, there was some really great, that's the thing is there's still, not was, there's amazing artists there and like these underground kind of um, surf rock and punk and stuff and really cool bands, but, you know, they all end up moving away or they go to LA or whatever because yeah. there's nothing you know what I'm saying? So, but, uh, yeah, I saw some amazing bands and some great songwriters, you know, that, that I still am friends with down there. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned that your family's a bunch of entertainers. So saying music was a big presence in your life growing up is kind of an understatement. Yes, very much so. so yeah. My, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Anna, how did this whole can you describe a little bit about this, this opportunity for your dad and how you guys got into being, cause it was, it ended up being like a whole, your whole family was a big musical group. Like a, almost yeah. like a was it like a partridge family kind of situation. It totally was. And my, uh, it was called the, uh, the Conti family C O N T I. Cause my, you know, my dad wanted an easier kind of stage name, you know, to make sense to use. And uh, it was that, that was that era of the, the, the family groups that would travel around. And so he, he and my mom, um, got the idea that they wanted to start, you know, a family act and my, my older, I'm, I'm number eight of 10 kids. And, uh, yeah, so I have, um, uh, my older siblings were the ones that kind of initiated the whole thing with my mom and dad and he got a bus and his buddies converted it and he just started booking gigs. And yeah, we were on the road probably 11, probably 11 months out of the year and just doing Wow. Doing malls and fairs and conventions and Las Vegas and all. So, yeah, I mean, I was kind of born into it. And, um, you know, my parents were both school teachers before that prior. So they taught us, you know, through the mail on on the road. And, um, oh, wow. Yeah. So we, it was some amazing because my, um, my dad was, uh, he was a session player at, at Motown. He's a trumpet player. And, 
also symphonic player. My mom was like an operatic singer. And, uh, and so they, we were just immersed in all this different kind of music. And then I got the, a lot of the influences from my older siblings, like lift, listening to the seventies stuff they were listening to. And nice. so, yeah, we're just like a little sponge, you know, yeah. <laughs> <So>, <laughs> we didn't have a choice. I mean, right? no, it was like a farm family, you know, you <laughs> just, you followed a, you just, <laughs> <laughs> it was a family business, man. Right. Exactly. And, and you're a kid. You really don't have a choice. No. And it was, you know, a lot of people say, was it horrible? Because they're looking at it through the lens of, of remembering their childhood. But like you said, I was born into it and that's all I knew, you know, and I was, so it was, it was a killer way to grow up because you were always on the road, different cities, you know, you got to do cool stuff and it was just like, so I, I loved it. It was a lot of fond memories. So were you traveling nationally all over the place or was it more regional? Yeah, we were all we were all over the country, and we used to wow. do Canada a lot, um, and uh, never went overseas. But we, uh, yeah, it was it was huge. I mean, we uh, we yeah. yeah, like I said, we were all over the all over the country, the U.S. So, so how many years did you do it? Were you part of that? So it was sixteen, I think, almost seventeen total, and I probably did. Let's see, I did it from well. Uh, I probably did it for like the last ten, almost eleven years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then when we, when we stopped, um, permanently in, uh, and settled in Florida, you know, that's when I kind of started quote regular school and, uh, you know, then got into that. And, and so started that, getting into, was that uh, hard to transition into being stationary? Totally. It was, I, I, I have vivid memories of like being totally shell shocked and like not wanting wow. to leave the house and crying and this, because all I knew was my family, you know, all the time. And, and yeah. all of a sudden I was in, in this environment where these kids were used to kind of the way things worked and I didn't, you know, and it was, like it was it was a shell shock but once i started meeting friends you know after a few months it, it got easier and you know kind of but it was hard at first for sure real hard and so so after you stopped were you still into music because i know sports ended up being a big thing for you but were yeah. you still into to the music as as intensely as you were while you're actually performing it yeah. I mean, I wasn't personally cause I was kind of, you know, younger, but I mean, my siblings still stayed with it and kind of got, um, into the, like my, my older brothers started doing like what I'm doing now, you know, like just performing solo and with like bands they made up and oh, wow. my dad and mom kept going. And, and like I said, started uh, music school down there and, my, and a lot of my siblings taught it. It still teach at it. But, um, for me, yeah, I kind of just, uh, you know, I was doing music like in school and all that, but it wasn't to the degree that I was, you know, on the road. And okay. yeah, then I got into sports real heavy baseball and uh, played that all through college. And, uh, and I even went, played two seasons in the minor leagues. I was a pitcher. And oh, know, wow. so, so who yeah, did you play for? I played for uh, the first season was the Texas, uh, what a uh, Rio Grande van real grand valley white wings it was the southern texas i'm trying to think who they were affiliated with and i just it, it slips my mind and then the second season i went to um the new jersey jackals uh in montclair new jersey up there oh, yeah wow yeah, i know exactly yeah. who that is yeah that was cool it was uh i played i played with some cool guys like pete rose jr son and some oh, some really wow cool yeah, it was a fun time. It was a, I mean, I still miss it a lot, you know? So. Oh, bet. I know I, I've got a couple of friends who who played minor league ball and they, they're always talking about it to this day. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm talking about literally today with a, a buddy of mine who 
back out in California. He got he was drafted by the Rangers and played a couple of years in minor league and same thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this that was those are the best days. Still in touch yeah. with so many of those guys. <laughs> yeah, you see you still do. I mean, literally it's the the some of the best friends I have still are guys that, you know, from that whole uh, you know, that thing that I did. Yeah, it was great. That is awesome. So you sing and you, and you play guitar. When did you start did you start, I guess, playing instruments in the family band or did that come afterwards? Uh, it came afterwards. I kind of just be, I think I absorbed and, and learned a lot of it from my older siblings because I just was around it and I was watching, especially my, uh, one of my older brothers, he, he was, is a great guitar player and he's singer. And I kind of was always watching him and he would show me stuff. And then I started kind of picking it up on my own. And then, you know, I started playing it more seriously when I got to like college and then, even in baseball, I remember always having my guitar with me. And then I started dabbling and writing songs. And, and then when baseball was over, I really went, you know, all in head first and got back into it more serious and started, you know, kind of doing my, I worked up some tunes and started doing some solo gigs and a couple, uh, did some stuff with my younger sister. Uh, and then we, uh, we just started, you know, making bands and kind of doing that. And then, yeah. So it was just, that was, that was where that road started. So was there something that kickstarted you back into music after baseball or was it just a natural progression? How did that whole thing start up again? Yeah, it was totally a natural progression. Cause I just, you know, I always, it was always in my life music and I, and I knew that at some point I was going to get back into it. And so I actually met a, a really good friend of mine um, in Jacksonville when I was uh, right after I got out of the minors and he happened to be uh, a songwriter and we met at a restaurant. We were waiting tables together and we started writing, um, started dabbling and writing songs. And that's kind of what kicked that whole thing. And then from there, it was just, <laughs> you know, the, the floodgates were open and I just started going and going. So, yeah. Waiting on your ghost. That's your debut. Is that I guess I should ask, is that the debut or, or is there any other independent releases or was was that the very first thing that, that you really concentrated on releasing? I would say that was like the first thing that I released on my own as far as like, because when I left Florida, you know, I kind of came up here and my, all my family who, who I was in bands with, you know, stayed in Florida. So I kind of started my own thing up here and that I'd say it was kind of like the, the first thing I had done, but before that, you know, there was uh, a couple of bands. We, there was one called the after while and one called minister theory. And, uh, we, that was with my, a few of my siblings and when some other friends. And so a lot of that, um, you know, music that came from that kind of spun to what I was doing, you know, my solo career, but yeah, to answer your question, that, that kind of was the first, you know, independent. Yeah. Me, me on my own, you know? Okay. Now uh, I have a question about the timeline kind of, uh, I'd say kind of, why did I say that? So I, I just have a question about the timeline. There's no kind of, is exactly what I mean. <laughs> did waiting on your ghost come out before or after tin can tunes with Joe flip? That was before quite a bit before. Oh, yeah. Okay. I still was, I was like half writing the songs that, that ended up on waiting on your ghost. A lot of them were written while I was still in Florida. And, um, and then when I, when, when this, you know, when that album opportunity came up, I was using a lot of that material, you know, for, uh, on that album that I had written. And then, yeah, I didn't meet the, I didn't meet Joe till, um, probably about, I think a year after I moved up here in Minnesota. So. Oh, okay. Cause yeah. 
I really they're, they're different sounds, and and, and it's it's totally. pretty wild because. And I'm looking at my notes. And I got to remember which album, which songs are on which album, because I neglected to make a note of that. It's a very, very professional podcast I run here. No, that's fine. <laughs> the, it's it was kind of it got kind of weird with that because um, when I met Joe, we kind of were doing just we we met as um, he he wanted to do some like gigs locally with me, and then he wanted to. It was kind of more his baby, and I was kind of doing, like I said, shows with them and this and that. And then he wanted to cut a demo to pitch to this uh, blues challenge in Memphis that was coming up. And so we ended up doing a kind of a scratch demo uh, deal. And some of the songs that I had on um, that were my originals ended up on there. And I, I kind of assumed it was going to just stay a demo. <laughs> 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 and that wasn't the case. I mean, Joe kind of, you know, it, it turned out great, but, but what, what, what you hear in that tin can tunes was, was, uh, you know, first off a demo and it kind of just, wow. um, it's, it kind of just went that way and, and he promoted it and all that. So long story short that, you know, that, that's how that unfolded, but that's why I, I feel like it's quite a bit different because it wasn't like something I would have set out to do, you know, out of the gate. Like it was more, yeah, let's just, we got to put this together so we can pitch it to this thing. And then, uh, you know, so okay. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to waiting on your ghost and it's, it's very singer songwriter. And I, I kind of get a, like a Gordon Lightfoot kind of feel out of it, especially totally. porcelain tub. Yeah. Reflects the glow of a candle, single flame, and the memories all that remain. Fair as may the fall had seen, fair the love of the traveler's dream. I love that, and I also love the song and the artist Brandy Carlisle. Both, yeah. both are great. The the album you did with uh, Tony Flip is really cool, also because Love and Biscuits that's my favorite on that album. That is yeah, such it. such cool, and and I like that version of Inside Job. Feed you falsely to fantasize, fool clean. Then you realize. Yeah, so see, that was exactly, so that was that in Love and Biscuits I was writing for, for potentially my next album. And so, but, but it was like, hey, can we use this for this demo? And I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, and then <laughs> it became this and I'm like, oh, sh you know, shit, like, I, <laughs> Like now what do I do? You know, and it's like, so I never ended up putting it like re-releasing it onto another album because I just felt weird about, you know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. so that kind of left a, I love Joe, but it, it kind of left a little bit of a bad taste, you know, in my mouth for that. But it was just like, it, it is what it is. And it happened, you know, yeah. it's like <laughs> you live and learn. Right. I guess. Yeah, right, yeah. So, but so, so those, those are really cool albums. Yeah. But, you took a super different approach to hit it on the sly <laughs> that very different writing approach to that. That's so that was based on 
art submissions? Yeah, that was it, a lot of it was I, I did this, uh, this project through Minnesota, I got a grant through the state of Minnesota. And, the, and my uh-huh. idea I pitched was to, to put out a bunch of um, calls to like various artists in the state of Minnesota, like from all different platforms. And I, I gathered all their submissions, you know, I think it was like over 200. And I had to narrow it down to like 12. And I was going to write an album based off of those whatever it was like painting sculpture or whatever. And it turned out to be an amazing uh, project because I, I didn't want to know their names or the titles of the work. I just wanted the the piece to speak for itself to me. And, and, and then we had like a, a show after that. And that was the first time I met any of them and knew the titles of their work. Oh, wow. And it was super, it was super cool uh, because a lot of it like eerily tied in to, you know, their ideas of why they painted it or sculpted it. Oh, and, and I didn't know any of that going in. So it was cool how art kind of, you know, bounced off each other that way. So, yeah. Well, then it was and, success on both ends then. Exactly. It was in, and but, but, uh, yeah, that was, you know, when I did that album, that was kind of the direction I was going in at that time. And I'm, I, I do that a lot though, because I'm a person that listens to all you know, different kinds of music all the time. And so I think it comes out in my writing and my projects where you're hearing this and then, then it's totally different the next time. And then totally, you know, it's like, it really is. I mean, so hit it on the slide. Uh, there's more of a country feel to it. Sure. And your voice even goes a little more Waylon-y, yeah. than a little more Waylon Jennings than, than it was before. It's hard to dance with the devil on your back Burning holes in the floor with that on holy Tuesday Just get yourself a preacher or a frozen knapsack Cause it sure ain't easy dancing with the devil on your back Betty Lou was the prettiest in school And I'll tell you and I'm liking your stuff more with each release as I'm listening to it. So it's, I love, I love listening to music that way, Mark. Like I don't, I mean, I love bands that kind of keep the same flavor, but I, but my favorite bands are the ones that evolve and try and like stretch their limits, you know, and try different things because I love to listen to music that way. So I think it naturally comes out. Yeah, exactly. Same, same way. And, And my biggest disappointment has always been Pearl Jam. Yeah, because <laughs> I was so into their first two albums, and then I don't know the way the way they pro- the way they progressed was not the way I wanted them to progress. Yeah, I'll probably yeah, edit all I, of this out. But yeah, I get what you're saying, and it totally. But it like the one thing that I respected them for was that they did kind of keep going on the path they wanted to versus yeah. what they thought people needed to, you know, or kind of thing, you know, and I don't, whether that hurt them, but I, I think they're still doing pretty well. I, think that, I've, <laughs> I remember hearing about them at some point recently. So yeah, I think they're doing all right. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey folks, Stephen Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. 
And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. But you've got a few albums out. The new album, Freer Street, that's definitely got a grittier sound to it. Less Gordon Lightfoot, maybe more Stray Gators with a bit of Crazy Horse thrown in there. Totally. And I love the cover. That cover is awesome. That is so awesome. It starts off with a very country Americana feel to it with the after. Feels like the sun. Just cast a new day. It's sinking low again. Already here to fall tomorrow. Seems like the face in the mirror looking my way. Yeah. That's a really awesome track. It's a great way to start the album. Yeah. And like you were just mentioning, there's a lot of different sounds to this. And, and that's what I, one of the things I really enjoyed about it because it convinced my heart. Things get a little more swampy. I don't miss you in the nighttime since we're apart. Got my head on straight now. All my friends think I'm great now. So was this an album that you, that you started like pandemic wise? Like, like was it started back then and just slowly progressed and did, were these songs all morphing and changing as, as the time was going by? They totally were. And it was during the pandemic, you know, cause the pandemic, cause I had to, I really got slowed way down, you know, when from gigging. And I think, you know, looking back, like at first it was a shock because I'm like, Oh no, I'm losing work. But then it kind of forced you to slow down and reassess why, what, you know, you were doing things and it gave me a lot of time to write. And I think that's where this whole thing kind of started to turn. And, um, yeah, I was, I was putting, putting these songs together, reworking them. I would, I would let them sit for a few you know weeks and then come back to them and change and, and it. And then I had always known I wanted to work with uh, Eric Hoskinen who produced it and also played on the album. Yeah. Uh, he's a great local uh, guy up here. Just amazing songwriter, really uh, got a great band. So when I called Eric, I kind of knew that that was the direction I wanted to go into kind of his vibe and with these, with this project. And so okay. when I, yeah. So when I met with him, these songs were a couple of them were totally finished, but a lot of them were fledgling and we kind of put them together together. And yeah, it just, it, and then we started putting together the list of people that I wanted to, to use on the album. And one of the coolest aspects I think of the project was that I didn't want any of the guys to hear the songs prior to the session. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I didn't send the music. Only Eric and I knew it. And uh, when we got there to a drum farm studio in, in Wisconsin, um, we ended up living out there for three and a half uh, days. And that and 
so we set everything up and the guys that was their first uh that was their first take on a, on a lot of or all the tunes you know oh yeah. that is so cool yeah because i wanted their their raw reaction i didn't want them to be you know sitting there stewing over their parts for months you know and yeah not that there's anything against that but just for this project i wanted that raw and and another thing we did was um I wanted it all to be in one, one room. And we all were set up in one room. I even cut the lead vocals in the same room at the same time. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was super cool. The experience was amazing. The owner of the studio just left the, it's an old farm, uh, a working farm. And he has some of the outbuildings into a studio. Yeah. Wow. And, and you can just live there. And, uh, we, we were just recording around the clock. Like when it was hitting us, it was awesome. Oh, that is so cool. So, so it sounds like (laughs) without the pandemic, this would have been a much different album. Totally. I think it might've not even happened, but if, you you know, if it did, it would have been completely different. So it kind of worked out the way it was supposed to. And it was a lot, you could, you could feel uh, in a lot of the tracks, the, the moodiness of the pent up pandemic feeling and the stuff you were seeing of people treating each other like shit. And, you know, it was like that all coming together. And I just, yeah. So that's really cool. Cause, and you know, I mentioned a couple of the tracks already, but each, each tracks, you know, it sounds so different it seems to they they seem to come from a different space like you get a little more soul in with lay it on me please don't try to be gracious i know you'll know that ain't your style come on strong go natural fashion I know it's over but walking our last mile lay lay on me lay it on me my my love yep but I love stubborn bones the that yeah that's kind of starts my favorite segment of the album there's like this really uh raw Neil Young touch to it. It's yep. especially the guitar tone, the playing, but there's that also like that beautiful, like almost like a Western guitar. Almost sounds almost like Marty Robbins or something in there. It's yeah, really, that's an old, that's a baritone guitar. Yeah. I think Eric was playing that one and it was, yeah, that it, there was so much going on in that track <laughs> was cool. I mean, we had a, uh, Abby Wolf was the, the, the girl that was singing with me and that she's a good friend of mine, an amazing singer uh, from the twin cities. And she has her own, her own stuff. It's killer. But she, when I first was listening to the mix down of that song, I, um, uh, JT Bates, the guy that played drums on the album, he knows Abby well too. And we were sitting there listening to the mix and I said, man, JT, wouldn't Abby like put this song, you know, this track over them. And he looked at me and just smiled and I called her the next day and I'm like, <laughs> well, you just come and she's like, well, what do you want me to, you know, she was all like, what do you want me to do? Do you have a part? I said, I want you to do what you do. And oh. that's what I, you know, and so she came in. Oh my God. It gives me chills. Like uh, I just, you know, just listening to the part she layered and everything, it was, it just put it over the moon. So. Oh, I love hearing that. The deal is done. No second chance. Washed in the precious blood.
That's my favorite kind of stuff. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and then another, another thing that you'll get a kick out of is, uh, Eric, he mixed it, you know, as far as well as producing, but we were in the studio one day, just he and I, and he goes, I think, uh, I think I'm hearing some, you know, organ on some of these tracks from Hammond B3. I said, totally. I said, I can hear it. He goes, I, uh, I know a guy, you know? And so he, uh, <laughs> so this, this dude comes in, he's probably in his, I don't know, like, I'd say like early seventies or whatever. And looks really energetic, like cool dude, you know? And, and it ended up being, uh, Greg Inhofer, who was Bob Dylan's organ player, you know, from oh. blood on the track, he played on blood on the tracks. And I was like, when Eric introduced me, you know, and Greg's the most humble dude. And he's like, Oh my God, that was a fun day. Cause he just, he just, you know, was like, yeah, pr- play the song, you know, and I'll put some, and he just started doing this killer shit. And it was, <laughs> it ended up being exactly what, what it needed, you know? So he, he just kind of followed suit without even realizing it. I don't even need to hear it. This is, I'll just go. Yeah. Oh, no, exactly. Eric, you know, we were like, what well, do you want to, you want us to write up some chart nah he goes just press record and we'll see what and he like after a few takes of each song that he played on we had it nailed and he was just telling these amazing stories of all these people that he played with and bob dylan and stuff it was an awesome day yeah that's <laughs> man see in that situation i'd almost I'd f- almost forget about what i wanted recorded i just give me the stories Oh, believe me. I was, I was, I was, I was awestruck, man. I usually, it doesn't happen to me because I love like just treating people like people instead of like, but I was like, come on. I mean, this dude, he was on blood and I still listen to blood on the tracks now. Totally different because I'm, I'm picturing Greg, you know, yeah. down. It's like, Oh, his, his mic should have been on while you guys were recording and telling stories. I know that could have been part of the album. Yeah, every every sure. every song of yours gets a gets a great Inhofer intro about a totally different album. That's right. <laughs> nothing to do with the song. Yeah, shoot! I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Heartbreak Town kind of continues that nastier tone, and I love that. That's that stuff is awesome. make me cry with i never knew yeah man why you want to make me cry <laughs> i know it's it's that well that's one of the best compliments a songwriter can get i think is, <laughs> is tears because i mean it's a it's such a raw emotion you know and it's yeah. like especially when i've had people these big uh kind of midwest burly farmer dudes you know at my shows and, and you know they're staunch no emotion and you and you hear Wearing them their overalls at the show. Yeah, you're, they're kind of connecting with the song at first. You know, obviously they've never heard it, and uh, and then you're you're starting to see tears from these dudes, and they come up to you after the you know on the the set break, and they're like, "Man, I just got to tell you, you know, that really." And so that kind of compliment to me is like the best you could get, you know, because it's such a raw feeling, you know. She overheard them saying that they respectively lost the son and dad. 
And I hope that someday fate might let her meet and She said, hey there boys, these next two bills are both on me Here's a couple of shots, a heartbreak to ease the pain If there's one regret I could forget I wish I'd never known How two strangers shared along So speaking of that the music is definitely definitely sounds raw and full of emotion and you you know you you explained why but did you guys do many takes of this tracks or are these all really early takes first takes I mean was was it all done pretty quickly yeah, we wanted to keep it, you know, kind of no more. I think there was one song where we ended up doing, I want to say like six, but most of them were three. I didn't want to go over like three, wow. I think, takes. And a lot of them ended up being the first takes. I can't, Eric would remember which ones, but wow. yeah, the first or second, because it was one of those things where you're listening to the mix down and you're like, this one might not be technically perfect but it's got the the coolest sound you know vibe and like the coolest mistakes if that makes sense you know yeah yeah yeah, absolutely yeah so so those were the ones we kept yeah so it's usually first to third take and you're basically cutting it live right wow i mean this is the first time a lot of these guys have been hearing this stuff it was and and you know we would like how it happened was like say the first song after we were set up, I think it was, I think it was convinced my heart was the first song we did. And I had my acoustic and I was like, okay. And just started playing and these dudes started falling in and then, okay, let's run it again. You know, okay, let's do it again. And then, okay, press record. So it was like hearing it twice, press record. <laughs> and it was just, it was killer, man. It was, yeah, it was their first. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Gosh. The other thing that I noticed is that the, the, a lot of the songs sound really personal lyrically. They're, they're very, they sound like you've drawn off of your own experiences. Is, is that the case with a, a lot of the lyric content? Yeah, a lot of it. And that was um, the, you going back to the cover, you said that's my grandfather um, on my dad's side. And oh, cool. uh, he lived on Freer Street in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, that's where that came from. And uh, a lot of good memories there, but that I had, I have been holding on to that picture for the longest time. I think my dad shot it. And, uh, I was like, this would, you know, be killer on an album at one point, you know, some point. And then when I started putting this stuff together, I was thinking of a cover and a title and, and that picture came back up and I'm like, man, this is, these songs are so personal, you know, Gramps, it was, he was my hero, you know? And so it was like all that came together and it was such a cool, you know, mesh of things happening. So that is awesome. And it kind of, connects you back to hit it on the sly where you know you're you're connecting with the artwork too totally yeah yep uh, so you just the different form yeah you seem to have a, a really good connection between the uh, visual and musical arts that's it's i love seeing yeah. that yeah i i am i'm a vision i'm a very observant i think person by nature like i like to watch and, and listen and so i i'm always carrying around a little recorder with me or a paper because i i'll get these weird ideas at the at the worst time you know, like, <laughs> driving down the freeway and i'm like i can't stop and so i'll hit record and even if i'm speaking like an idea and some of the a lot of those songs on the rear street came from stuff like that like little 
melodies that I had hummed or, you know, and then it just was, yeah. So that's cool how that all works. So do you have a writing process at all? I mean, do you make yourself write something every day or is it just when something hits you, you make a note? I tried doing the, and, and I know that how that works. I have a lot of friends that, that kind of do the, the Nashville style of writing where they put themselves in a room at a certain period of time every day, like a job, you know, and, yeah. and I've tried that and it just never clicked for me. And uh, in my ears, the stuff that was coming out of that personally just didn't sound real and like honest. And okay. so I kind of steered away from that. And for me, it's, I just let, I try to let it as happen as organic as I can. And, and when it comes like ride with, because I'm a big believer that music, we don't own it. You know, if, if you, if you understand what I mean, like it's, it's something that comes to you and you're a vessel, you're letting it go. And once you let it go, it's going on to somewhere else, you know? So, and it's becoming something else. So that's kind of how I like to write. And when, when stuff comes to me, I'll, I'll, if it, if it feels serious enough to, to spend the time I'll, I'll do that but I, but I won't like you know sit there and beat a song like it's got to be this you know like um okay heartbreak town for instance I, I co-wrote that with a buddy of mine um nate walker who's awesome and it started as this kind of honky tonk um swampy you know uh up tempo thing and it was super cool i still dig the, the way that we did it but then when i was presenting it in the studio it sounded really cool with the band and we, and we, for some reason we took a break and came back a couple hours later and Eric Koskinen, the the producer who played on it too, he, I think he either like forgot what we were doing or, or wasn't feeling it. And <laughs> sorry, he just was sitting there. I vividly remember it. And he starts playing this bump, 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 and this drop, drop D tuning, you know, and, and, and I'm looking and I'm like, the, the lyrics start going in my head with that groove. And I started singing them on the mic and I was like, shit, this, this is, you know, and then the drummer comes <laughs> in and I'll be like, yep, there, it, you know, and it just wow. like became this whole other, you know, and, and Nate, the first time he heard that version, he came to the studio and he was, just, he was like, Oh my God, this is so killer. What you guys did. You know, and it was like, it so, is. Yeah. That's the one that, that, I've it's the most Neil Young sounding to me. It's got this yeah. like the like the Stray Gators meets Crazy Horse vibe to it. It's super cool. It really is. It's, and that was a yeah, that was a prime example of not uh forcing something. Like had I been one of those people that was like, nope, you know, I have this, this way in my mind, it would have never existed, you know. So I'm so glad that I we just like we we let it lead us you know instead of the uh, the other way around yeah when you're open to letting it go where it wants to go definitely mm-hmm. i i've some of my favorite songs are result of of that i'm not a musician but some of my favorite songs that that i've grown up listening to have been a result of that totally yeah with your history of touring all over the place all the time how often are you out on the road playing uh your own music well, right now I, I kind of just keep it to regionally around here because there's so much work and so much going on. And, uh, but I, I mean, we're, we're, you know, talking about trying to get out spread out further, especially behind Freer street. But I, I miss it. I mean, I, I hate being in one place for too long. Cause like you said, I grew up on the road and I'm the most comfortable on the road. So it's like, I'm, I'm itching to get back out more full time. You know, <laughs> that is awesome. So yeah. what brought you to Minnesota in the first place? 
I followed a girl. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, she, uh, uh, and we ended up getting married, but we, she's from Minnesota, uh, born and raised here and a farm girl from Southern Minnesota. And you would never know it. She's, she's amazing. Her personality is amazing, but she, she moved to Florida after college. Uh, and, uh, we ended up meeting at a, at a, a place I was playing at and, uh, oh, cool. we started talking and, uh, yeah. And then we, we, we started, um, dating and stuff. And she was the one that said, Hey, did you ever check out the twin city scene? It's great. You know, and I knew little bits like the Prince and Bob Dylan connections and all that. And, uh, and we started coming up in the summers to, to, you know, to visit her family and I would book gigs in the summertime and then started meeting people. And I'm like, damn, man, this is killer. Let's, you know, I said, See, do you want to move up full time? You know, that's so, yeah. smart. Mm -hmm. You know, booking summer gigs in Minnesota, yeah, so you're not right. in the Florida heat. <laughs> I, know, I was like, I do not want to be here in the summer. <laughs> I've had 30 plus years or whatever, but I'm ready to, you know. Yeah. I was only 10 years in South Alabama and I, I get it. Oh, that's brutal. That's, I would, I would almost have to venture that that might be more brutal, like that region. Cause I've spent a lot of time in that area and it gets hot. I mean, it's hot. Like it's, that stagnant heat. Yeah, it's. I mean, because yeah. you, you're not right up against the water. Because I was in in around Dothan area, so if you know, okay. you're familiar with yeah. that. So yeah. I was a uh, little west of Dothan, in uh, right off of Fort Rucker, like, uh, Daleville Enterprise area. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's there's it's like living in pea soup. Yeah, it's exactly. So hot, humid. <laughs> I used to work outside sales, and. Uh. I would, I would go from my front door in the morning to my car, which was you know, 25 feet. And by the time I got out of the air conditioned house into my car, I'm already sweating. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, I used to take changes of clothes with me to gigs because I would be totally drenched, you yeah. know, by the, by the first or second break, you know, <laughs> it was uh, like... it's just relentless for it is and yeah. i will tell you one thing the i i went to school up in upper state new york uh, for photography uh -huh. and so i was in rochester for several years okay the, the coldest i've ever been in my entire life was in tuscaloosa alabama at my brother's graduation because yeah. it was humid and windy and just below freezing and that just I totally, I totally get what you're saying. I, I agree. I like that human, that humid cold that just yeah. bites through everything you're wearing. <laughs> it does. It's, yeah. it's like a knife. It's right. I mean, people who've never experienced it just can't understand it. Like, Oh my gosh, I lived in Buffalo. That's, and that's yeah. cold. I'm not yeah. saying it's not it, the snow, <laughs> but right. it's, cold. it's different. It is. It, I know what you mean. <laughs> it, it, you know, they, 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 you go to the desert, they say, oh, it's a dry heat. It's a wet cold. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you're usually not, there's no, there's no progression to it. It just happens. Right. You know, you're, you're wearing shorts and t-shirts and sweating. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's not like living up here where you're getting the season change, you know? I know. This is, spring lasts <laughs> literally like two weeks down there. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> it is I, oh, I, I could go on and on about that, but nobody wants to hear that. So, so <laughs> you see, so you mentioned that, that you're hoping to get out on the road. Um, or do you have anything set up already, even regionally or, or locally? 
Uh, just locally, we're doing stuff like um, we got a big show coming up this weekend in uh, the, a town called Marine on the St. Croix, um, Minnesota. It's a long name, but it's a really cool outdoor um, bar type area and it gets packed with people. And I've, I've gained a pretty good following there. So I'm seeing the buzz online about the people that are coming and they want to, you know, because the new album's out. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a good time there. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So what is the best way for people to, to support the album, to, to pick it up and listen to it? The best, uh, you can go to my record label, which is called a uh, farm to label records. It's uh, owned by the same guy that owns the studio. We recorded at John Richardson. He, John's a great dude. He's a drummer and, and toured with uh, gin blossoms and a bunch of other big names back in the nineties. Oh, nice. Was, yeah. And then it's his studio, but he started a label called farm to label records. And I was, uh, I, I signed with him. And, um, so if you go to farm to label.com farm to label records.com, you can grab copies of the vinyl, uh, which it sounds amazing on vinyl. And it's also on all the streaming platforms. And, um, I think John's, uh, pressing some CDs too. Uh, they're coming soon, but it's, he, he wanted to get it out on vinyl and, um, and I've been selling them off stage and it sounds killer. If you have a, a turntable i highly recommend you know that that platform that is awesome yeah no, vinyl i love vinyl like i said i would you know i went to school for photography so i'm a visual guy and i love the size of vinyl i just yeah. i get so nervous playing it i you know, <laughs> i i've got an okay turntable not a great one i'm just always afraid i'm gonna damage it i go <laughs> so i'm i'm a big i've always been a big cd guy i mean if i could show you the quote unquote studio, AKA my living room. I've got yeah. piles of CDs just sitting around here that I've got to put away, but so I'm a yeah, big CD guy. Yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah. So yeah. I love, I love having a physical copy of the albums. I don't feel like I've really bought it if I don't have something. I know tangible. what you mean. Yeah. The, I know, I know exactly what that's the same way I am. People are like, well, I'll just download it. I'm like, yeah, but I want to have the, you know, yeah. the thing. You know, yeah. And, uh, you know, you've got that really awesome photo and then the cool artwork. And you know, I'm not going to sit there and stare at a JPEG on my computer screen. Right, right, I will yeah. stare at a vinyl album or a CD cover and, and read the liner notes. I'm not going to do it on my computer. Exactly. Yeah, I totally. I'm the same way. That's and, cool. And then when I do that, I'm listening to the album. I'm getting I'm, I'm absorbing the album. If I'm downloading it I'm or listening to a stream, I'm doing something else. And so it's not really sinking in. And I think people have lost that, um, not think I know, like, um, uh, the, the whole thing of putting something, you know, in a disc player or on the turntable and then sitting down and either reading the liner or, or absorbing it, you know, versus just flipping through Spotify. You know what I'm saying? Like you. Yeah. And, and I don't know, I don't know anybody really who listens to an album front to back on Spotify. Right. So it's, you know, you lose that whole album feel, album quality of, of music. Totally. And totally. It, I hate that. I mean, because there's a reason you put out albums. I mean, that at this point, and I've had this discussion with a lot of people on the podcast, it's almost like we're, we've gone back to the roots of rock where everything was a single people right. are just putting out singles and, and right. you know, the, the album is gone by the wayside, hopefully only for the time being, but it's, that's, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a shame. It really is a shame because people, you know, they, they spent the time, like I, I, you know, spent a, the majority of the time on Freer street, like trying to figure out what I wanted the track order to be because it was, it was, it, it meant something to me to not just slap the, the song. You know, I, I 
tried so many different variations and the one that I, you know, that it ended up being, I love how it progresses, you know, you just remind me of something. Oh, go, go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll tell you what I was saying, especially between you, you even brought it up and I'm glad you, you, you pointed it out and you, you were hip to it. Like the stubborn bones into heartbreak town that meant, that was the coolest thing to me because especially on vinyl, you know, you, it, it gives you the, the four tracks and it ends with stubborn bones and then you're turning it over. And by the time you're sitting down again, that heartbreak's already kicking in. And I'm like, that's super cool. <laughs> like how that, you know? Yes. So yeah. I love it. So, so you, you brought up something interesting and I've always wanted to do a podcast about this. So maybe, maybe I'll have you back on again, if you're interested, um, yeah. the importance of sequencing an album. Yeah. It's a whole with with the way things are now. It's it's almost like a lost art, and I, I'd love to learn more about how artists sequence albums. So if you ever if you're ever interested in coming back on, let's. I'd love to do a, a show about sequencing. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. Because I I'm really into that. I do. I I really pay attention to that when I write my set lists. You know, for live shows, and it, it means something to me to to have transitions that make people. You know. Um, get you know not just get a reaction but like stir something inside of them and i think you can do that with sequencing you know for sure absolutely i just making a note on my notes to reach out to you about doing an episode about sequencing so yeah so what is the best way for people to follow you uh, and when you're going out on tour hopefully you can expand beyond regional and and maybe hit the the east coast a little bit because yeah i live outside of dc and dc's got some awesome places to play so i would love to to catch a live show totally man yeah um it's if you just go to my uh, website tonycachetti.com um i put all my live shows on there and then i also as much as i'm against it and hate it i (laughs) i put it on the socials, you know, um, but it's like, it, it's a useful tool for that stuff. And I always try to really hit it hard on there to, to kind of let people know where I'm. So yeah, I have a lot of good friends still on the East coast. So I would, they're begging me to come over there. So I, I would love to get out there and play and I will at some point. So that this has been awesome. I have loved the album and I love going back and, and hearing the news, the, or the, uh, the older stuff and hearing the progression to get to Freer Street because I think it's yeah. a really awesome journey and I love what you've done with with the evolving sound. I love when artists do that. So when I hear cool. it, so thank you so much for joining me. I, I hear you, man. Cool. I've really had a blast. Raindrop beating on a tin roof. Oh, Mabel, never in Texas boy singing a song about two pennies sitting on a rail. Infirmary, a man won't shame. He flashed them shiny new guns my way. He said, Time moves on, time moves on. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.